Good morning and welcome to this assembly. And I'm going to begin this morning on an unpleasant note, but it is true and real and worthy of our thought. In Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 13, and then another passage from the book of Revelation as a follow-up. Revelation chapter 14, 9 through 13. The book of Revelation is often considered to be so deep and mysterious and complex, maybe just avoid it. Like all of God's Word, it has a message worthy of our thought and our study and our response. So, as I said, this is unpleasant, but it's true and real and worthy of our thought today in Revelation 14, 9 through 13. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying, with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night. They're worshipers of the beast and its image, and those who receive the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. Those who keep the commandments of God in their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. There are many subjects that come up these days in conversation and on social media that we are all familiar with. The NFL football season is underway. I understand that here in Texas there was a baseball game last night. Political turning points may be a few hours away. All the debate that goes with that and the conversation that always seems to come up. Current events, local news, the weather, holidays coming up soon. How likely would it be, however, if you went into a coffee shop next week and overheard a group of people sipping their lattes talking about eternal punishment? Extremely unlikely. Some subjects we just don't like to talk about a lot and we don't bring them up in conversation, even though we believe they are real. But as Christians we do, and we must, in sermons when the Bible is open, and there it is, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, whoever receives the mark of its name. 
Did you know that this isn't the first occurrence in the New Testament of eternal punishment? Back in Matthew, Jesus spoke in Matthew 5.22 of the hell of fire. In Matthew 13, verse 42, the furnace of fire. In Matthew 18, in verse 8, the eternal fire. And then in Mark, the unquenchable fire. In Mark 9, 43. Passages, subjects that just don't come up in the coffee shop. I know we consider the subject to be unpleasant. But in biblical context, it certainly is intended to be unpleasant and is intended for our good as we are warned of this eternal danger. To avoid this truth is to ignore or dismiss a reality and when ignored and dismissed, it could set us on a path headed to that dreadful location. So, folks, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. <clears throat> but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The book of Revelation is not like any other New Testament book. Divinely inspired, yes. Written for our learning, yes. Practical, yes. But the message the Lord gave to John for the seven churches was written inside very rich imagery, the kind of literature sometimes called apocalyptic. You'll find passages in the book of Revelation about dragons and the mark of the beast and a rider on a white horse and swords and plagues and seven trumpets. It was a form of communication more common back then. We don't have anything like this in our modern communication styles. The Lord had critical, crucial information for Christians in these locations and calls for them to be faithful in difficult circumstances. And this was the best way for the message to be revealed. Therefore, today, when we read and study this, a great measure of diligence and patience is required for us to know what this meant to them and what it should mean to us today. However, Inside the content of this otherwise difficult New Testament book, there are these beacons of simplicity and warning for us that do not require in-depth academic attention. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second 
death. Today's sermon is part of a series of sermons this year. And the theme of the series is what a difference it makes when you just use the Bible. In October, the topic was heaven. Today, the topic is hell. And my emphasis will be on who will be there. Here's one of the temptations that could beset us. We read this list of people who will be in hell. And one ill-conceived mental reaction might be, I'm certainly not in that list. I'm not a coward. I'm a person of faith. I am opposed to everything detestable. I've never thought of murdering anyone. No sexual immorality in my life. I don't even know a sorcerer. No idols. I don't lie. Isn't it a curious thing that we can use lists of sins in the Bible to pat ourselves on the back? To boast. And then quickly dismiss the passage and move on to more interesting passages. Let me ask us. Did the Lord give this verse to John for the seven churches in Asia so they could brag about not being guilty of any of these things? So they could dig a little deeper into self-righteousness? Let's don't do that. Instead, let's consider through self-examination where we might be now in some cases and where we could be later. And along with that, let's consider who we don't want to spend forever with. Who we don't want to spend forever with. How about the cowardly and faithless? Stop and think of people who were not cowardly and faithless. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. John, under difficult circumstances of tribulation, wrote the book of Revelation. Faithful early Christians did not back down when victims of threats and hostility. They moved on deeper in their faith. Do you sometimes feel guilty because you don't speak up for the gospel? You had an opportunity but you were hesitant, maybe fearful, almost embarrassed. And being cowardly and faithless, that's one of the enormous obstacles to evangelism. Serving others spiritually is sometimes postponed and then after postponed, eventually neglected because we were faithless and we were fearful. This verse tells us hell will be populated by the cowardly and faithless. Detestable. The NIV says vile. The New King James abominable. 
in our society today through media, the internet, in some places in education, not every place, but in some places, vile, abominable behaviors are celebrated. And I think preachers face a challenge here. We don't want to be so graphic that we are unnecessarily offensive. I think we trust our audiences to know what's going on so that we don't have to paint pictures or flash images on the screen of detestable things. I read a story last week about something that came up in my hometown, Fort Smith, Arkansas. You wouldn't expect something like this to come up at that place. But there was a schoolgirl in elementary school, and she decided she was a cat. She dressed as a cat and behaved in a manner typical of cats. It was disruptive to her classmates, you can imagine. It was not conducive to learning. The arguments made by her parents and supporters was she identifies as a cat. And that's one of the stories that can be told of how bizarre and vile things are that are now celebrated. In a hearing before Congress, the person testifying was asked, can men have babies? And there was no clear answer. Vile, abominable things. Most we cannot describe. But you know it when you see it, if your standards are biblical. Now you look on down through the list and you come to murderers. And what comes to mind for us today is abortion. What a tragic expression of sin in the human race to wipe out a generation. In so many cases, in spite of any laws or rulings of men or God, the most dangerous place for a child to be today is inside his or her mother where surgical instruments and the tools of execution become the first thing to appear. In Luke 1, 26 to 56, there's that familiar narrative and exchange between Mary and Elizabeth, where with joy they discuss the persons they were carrying. Jesus and John the Baptist. And we cannot imagine these two godly women considering a visit to an abortionist. Murderers will be there in these eternal flames. Sexually immoral. Bible words adultery, fornication. Modern words pornography. Lewd humor. Movies that celebrate infidelity. It's everywhere. But God hasn't changed His mind about any of it. 
a marriage according to God's will, that's where this pleasure is legitimate and nurturing. The works of the flesh today are considered what pleasure is all about. No matter what the Creator said and no matter who is hurt. Cheap sexual pleasure leads down a pathway that becomes destructive and dull and unfulfilling. The Lord wanted John to bring this up in this verse about the occupants of hell. Sorcerers and idolaters. Sorcery in the Old Testament sometimes is found under the terminology of witchcraft. God spoke clearly that His people were not to have anything to do with witchcraft, magical spells, divining lies, Ezekiel twenty-two eighteen, associated with pagans and idolatry, <coughs> where God is in mind and in practice replaced by something in the imagination of the minds of men. Something receives the attention God deserves, like money, some person, some religious leader, some earthly activity or pleasure. If you want to know where sorcerers and idolaters are headed, <clears throat> absent repentance... Revelation 21.8 gives the answer. Liars. No lengthy commentary needed. Here again I'm going to bring up that ill-conceived self-righteous attitude that browses through the biblical list of sins and then praises ourselves because we're not guilty of any of the big name sins. Lying is not a respectable sin. It's just one of those that may not be immediately detected on earth. But it's not one of the lesser transgressions. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. What if you received an invitation that reads like this? You are cordially invited to a great gathering. And it will last a long time. You are invited along with other detestable guests. There will be cowards, murderers, sorcerers, sexual offenders, adulterers, idolaters, and liars. RSVP. We don't want to go there. If we don't want to be with these people now, we certainly don't want to be with them forever. But you know what? This isn't the worst thing about hell. The worst thing about hell is not being in the presence of God. 
So don't expect to visit your local coffee shop this week and overhear conversations about what we've been studying from the Bible. Expect to read your Bible and be warned. Expect to read your Bible and hear sermons from the Bible inviting you to the other place, to heaven. You don't have to go to the place we've been talking about today. Because of Jesus Christ, the invitation to heaven is an invitation you can accept. And you can accept it now while we stand together to sing. Yeah. <clears throat>